Welcome everyone to 2023 season episode 8 of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney Racing Family for two decades and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news, notes, and a lineup of special guests throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Ambetter Health 400 this past weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Steve, hey, welcome it's, back. Ooh. It's unofficial, unofficially brought to you by Body Armor Sport Water. Too. That's it's true. <laughs> As we record, Steve and I are both uh, hydrating with this uh, alkaline water pH 9 plus from Body Armor that um, resulted in one of the probably Ryan's most simple paint schemes of his career, but awesome. I, I don't what know. The, it's just fresh, the- clean. I don't know what else. How else you can yeah. describe it? Yeah, your TikTok was pretty good. Uh, that song you used there. <laughs> so That's fresh. right. Yeah. Um, um, the thing is, is it, you know, activation this weekend of the sponsorship was incredible. Um, uh, even during the race, uh, you guys were at the track, but uh, there was an actual commercial, a national sport water Ryan Blaney body armor commercial. I missed this. I haven't seen anyone share it. I need to find it. Hopefully they have a clip up somewhere, but that's yeah. cool. It was really uh, awesome. So honestly, I've just been thinking about, well, I saw a, um, a couple weeks ago watching the Ark and Menard series race. I saw a, a Menards commercial, um, with another driver. I think the Xfinity driver. And I'm like, why isn't Ryan in more Menards commercials? And then I got to remember Menards is also kind of a regional. I mean, they're, they have a ton of money, you know, John Menard and everything really invests in motorsports, but they are kind of a regional chain. So I'm like, okay, that kind of makes kind of sense. And then I forget they had this national ad campaign for advanced auto parts where that ran on non-race, you know, shows too. So he was Mm -hmm. national, but I'm really interested now. Okay. I'm going to have to check that out. No one even told me. Oh yeah. (laughs) Body armor. I got it. I got it literally in my notes because they went to commercial break and it was the commercial, you know, one of those ones where it's not split screen as a regular commercial break and boom, it was Ryan and the sport water. And it's just like, awesome really really awesome thing to see um because i don't think of i mean i think i like body armor definitely love their the product and love the sponsorship um but they're not like what you would consider like a big money sponsor you know somebody who's going to sponsor 30 races a year yeah they're they're only on there four or five times five or six times and that's that's all they really really need to be um but when they are on there they do so many great different things with the product you know I have to say, you know, we have a Discord server again. I think you could find that link somewhere pinned up on one of our social channels. Um, but Blaney, Ryan Blaney fans and and us, you know, interact with people throughout the week. They people were so hype, hyped for this uh, to see this car, and like people are, you know, trying to send other people that live in the area to the Penske shop to see if they could get some photos because you know they're the cars usually out on the shop floor. Um, you know, the NASCAR. Uh, paint preview uh, post comes out and it skips from the 11 to the 14 over the 12. Um, you know, people were like just chomping at the bit to try to figure out, try to see inside sources. Is anybody in there that can send us photos? Um, it was just really, really funny how it kept building and building and building. And then finally um, was it early Friday or 
I think yeah. something like that. They finally, finally <laughs> release it on um, social media after some uh, some talk. People were having back and forth with the people from Lionel because this diecast has been produced and was ready to actually ship uh, this weekend when it, when the mm-hmm. car hit the track. Yeah the uh, uh, the funny thing about that is they uh, Thursday some people were at the shop and the yes. car they do work on they do work on the cars at the shop you know like right now somebody took a picture today of what car is sitting on the floor and that car is probably going to be this weekend's car and. Um, the car is sitting on the floor in the shop. The guy took a great picture of it. I, I wish I could remember the name because yeah. he, he did send it to you. Um, and it, it it's taped over the logos, all the logos and everything. There's yeah. some sort of tape over them. You can't tell what's underneath them, you know? And we just, we would have even settled for that. And it was just so funny. Cause yeah, as soon as we, you know, start sharing the post with the actual announcement of the car, then a flurry of people that were like, Oh, we were at the shop yesterday and took these pictures. And like everyone in the discord's like, where were these yesterday? Yeah. Where were but these they really a couple days ago? But they really weren't much help because everything was taped over. Yeah. They, they had it really top secret. Um, we would have known it was all white though. We would have known that that was, yeah. I, I, people weren't really sure where like, was this going to be an all red car? What was this going to be? Um, but it turns out to be kind of the sleek, all white car. I mean, everybody saw it over the weekend. If you watch the race and if, apparently if you watch this commercial, so um, really, really cool. Picked up the, the die cast. I got the small one though at Atlanta over the weekend. Um, this is probably, I don't can't remember another time. I mean, die cast collectors could probably confirm or deny this, but I just don't remember a time where, They'd already produced something like this and it was ready to hit the store like that weekend. They had the merchandise. I mean, I got the t-shirt too in the bag back here. They already had the t-shirts. They had the hats. They had the 164 and 124 die cast ready to sell at the racetrack. And I tell you what, people were buying up that merchandise. I saw tons of people wearing the new hat, tons of people wearing the new shirt. And then it just kind of reminds you how, you know, big you know, Ryan's gotten from, you know, early in his career to now that, you know, he's kind of one of those, you know, main mainstream elite drivers and, and people were buying up that merch as fast as they could get it out of the hauler. Yeah. It was really cool. Like I said, it's such a cool different look too, you know, and uh, it, it's nice that the, they decided to go ahead and make some of that stuff because sometimes like, like Dent Wizard is a good example. Um, they, Dentwards' look is really a cool look too, the blue, the white. Yeah. And they could they could do a lot of things with shirts and stuff like that, but you hardly ever see anything. Uh, because they're only on there once or twice a year, you know, and, and to make that product and make enough of it to make a profit and stuff like that, it's it's kind of a it's a problematic thing. You know, sure, it would make it because it looks nice, but you gotta guarantee that you're gonna sell a bunch of it. And what what they did with this um really kind of heightened the hype for it and made people crave it because yep. it was like nobody knew what it looked like nobody knew what it was going to look like and they kind of like like you said they pre-made these things so that the people who do buy uh die cast are really really kind of like excited because well they wouldn't pre-make something unless it's really cool unless they really know we're going to buy it and um you know they did a good job and it's really is a cool design so yeah it's know. awesome because a lot of other ones you have to you know when ryan won those races a couple of years ago people almost waited a full year until the, those those cars came in but this was ready to launch on race day i'm hoping we see this car a couple more times this season maybe the daytona uh, August race, something like that. I mean, they are coming back to Atlanta again in July. Uh, so who knows? I don't know the different areas where Barty Armour wants to activate at, but um, mm-hmm. it's too cool of a car to be a one and done. So I'm hoping we see another form of it again. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the race weekend in Atlanta. This is the third race weekend under this new configuration where they've turned this track into a drafting track, even though it's a, a mile and a half track. 
Um, I thought, you know, a lot of people were pretty upset with the racing on Saturday. They called it a demo derby. I would call it, especially with the Xfinity Series race, a lot of guys in the back of the pack that are just not skilled enough yet or they don't understand things. And that was kind of a lot of the Xfinity Series cautions and stuff. But across the board, the two Saturday races and the Sunday race, I thought stage three in each of those races were just about as perfect as they could get. They were exciting. You saw a green flag pit stop that everybody was concerned about uh, coming into this weekend that we're going to cover probably pretty in depth here um, Mm -hmm. as well. You saw that actually happen and you could, uh, Oh, I can understand why NASCAR was a little bit concerned here uh, because you know, there were no green flag stops in the races last year, uh, but we do see that this year and we do see, you know, the, the cars kind of crawling around turn three and stuff. Um, but I have to say in person at this track, I was, I was there previously, or we were there previously under the old configuration and saw a race or two. We're now at three races in under the new configuration. I can't wait to see our fourth race in the summer when it's at night and under the lights. And I think it's just going to look super, super fast. Um, I don't, I don't want to say I'm a big fan because I get a lot of this drafting type in-person races because we live so close to Daytona. So I see that most of the time. So it is nice to go to a Darlington and a Homestead and see uh, different types of racing. Um, but it is still feels a little bit different in Atlanta. And I just, you know, like I said, those third stages, those runs to the finish in all three series, um, I said made it worth it. It made it worth it sitting through with 22 cautions on Saturday to see two great finishes. And then the the way the strategy played out on Sunday, the way Ryan was able to rally back on Sunday and just the way those closing laps went, those last 44 laps, I can tell you, you know, majority of the crowd was on their feet. Um, it was just kind of electric. And I can't wait to see something like that at nighttime under the lights in July. Yeah. Um, the other super speedways, you know, are, are bigger tracks and wider tracks. Uh, even Daytona is a little is narrower than Daytona is narrower than Talladega, but it's still wider than Atlanta. Okay. So for some of these guys, it's just racing that style of racing in close quarters and not having anywhere to bail out to not having anywhere else there. You can get out of the way and everybody else can get around you when you do get out of the way. So some of that is from that, you know, and, and lack of practice, they'll say, well, they didn't get to practice. But then again, if you practice, you're not going to practice too, too wide, um, 10 deep, uh, during practice either. So you're not going to practice that during practice. You know what I'm saying? It rained anyway on Friday. So, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, a lot of that got, would have got, yeah. So, but so th- that's the thing. It's like, um, the only way you really get to find out is during a race. Like you said, some of the guys in the back, well, <clears throat> they were having issues with racing next to each other in tight quarters and making the mistake or being a little loose or a little tight. And, you know, and, and that did happen, you know, even though this is super speedway racing. Um, the turns are tighter and, and you do have to have a little better handling than you would maybe at Talladega or Daytona. So, um, it, you know, it, 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 it became good racing. Like you said, they got really focused and concentrated in the third stages of the races. And, uh, it was some good stuff on Sunday for sure. One thing I never thought I would see happen in that last stage of the cup race. And it's actually something we did not really see at all at Daytona this year or Daytona or Talladega last year was three wide racing, for multiple laps. Now it wasn't at the front of the field. It was kind of mid pack and I thought it was going to be a disaster, but they probably went around. It seemed like 10 laps to me, but it was probably only like three or four laps. Um, and I don't know how they did that without crashing the whole field. It was really, really impressive. Yeah. There'll be a, um, we'll refer to it later on a video of one driver who, uh, yes, three wide, <laughs> three, three wide whole last lap. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry. 
and uh, what it did for him. <laughs> and it's like you said, nobody crashed, which is, you know, which is good. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and let's jump into this recap. Um, like you said, no practice this week, but they did hold a qualifying session on Saturday morning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this, th- this race here, we do track position is a little bit of a key. So we did say that qualifying would be important. And, uh, um, how'd that go? Yeah, pretty good there. The, <laughs> you know, until they, until they had to go uh, re rack them and do them a second time. Uh, Ryan was quickest in the first uh, qualifying session. And then of course they take the top 10 invert, you know, one and, 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 and go ahead and redo it. Um, it's kind of hard because sometimes these cars get cooled off, don't get cooled off enough, get cooled off too much, whatever it is they're trying to do, the heat and the tires, et cetera, et cetera. And Ryan, Ryan ends up third overall. But Team Penske is one, two, three, which is an amazing, uh, you know, qualifying for all three of them to be up front. And then Ford itself is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight for the first time since the yeah. 1960s. Yeah. I mean, so the new nose, maybe, <laughs> maybe I know, um, Roush Yates engines over there were probably, uh, oh, patting themselves yeah. on the back too, because yeah, they probably had a part of horsepower involved in that one. And it wasn't a qualifying session that was totally clean. And, uh, drivers talked a lot about handling really mattering here at Atlanta. And I can tell you just from last year, to this year, the tracks already aged. I mean, it went from, yeah. you know, being like pure black to already a faded gray. And you saw some guys lose it during the qualify sessions with BJ McLeod kind of like right away. And then uh, what Christopher bell in the second round of qualifying lost it as well. So handling comes into play here and uh, you're going to see that throughout the race too. Yeah. So uh, the stages are going to be 60, 160, 260, a fuel run of 63 to 70 laps, which is becomes important. Um, the 20 goes to the rear because he spun out during qualifying, during the second session of qualifying. Um, pit stall number 10, uh, open in front and the 77 behind. And the uh, leader of the 22 takes top lane for the start. Um, the two lines up um, in front of Ryan on the inside lane. Uh, so at lap one, the 22 comes down to lead the lane and they end up being one, two, three there. Uh, and then they kind of move up to the top lane as they go along here. Uh, by lap five, there's the top eight or single file on top ahead of the uh, second lane. Um, the four car, four car tries to duck low and see what he can do. Um, but at lap 10, we get the caution for the 23 and this was really kind of out of the blue. Um, he was by himself. Nobody punted him. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of come on social media. He was a little upset with himself after the race. Um, he posted kind of a funny video on Instagram a little bit ago of like a Mario Kart thing with a banana. He called it a rookie mistake. I mean, he just kind of, I'm like, like you said, he just lost it going down the straightaway there and nosed it into the wall. And he just limped around pretty much for the, the rest of that race. And that, you know, happened so early that, man, that just had to have been awful to just yeah. run around the back of the pack for another you know, 390 miles and lose laps, lose laps, uh, continually too. Um, so Jonathan's, uh, we're staying out, uh, on the choose cone, the 22, the two and the 12 all take the top. It's funny because there's a discussion for one second. Like Ryan's like, well, what should I? And then I was like, he, he was like, it clicked in. It was like, oh yeah, we should just all line up together. And, and they did that. Um, restart was at lap 15. Um, in the first lap, they pull all pull together and then go ahead of the low lane. So uh, they're just trying to control both lanes at this point if they can. Uh, and we get to uh, 
lap 20. The top five is in the high lane. They pull ahead of the low lane. Um, the five ducks to the low lane. It was kind of a dicey move there. The five's kind of like be a little bit scary there. Uh, lap 25, the 11 leads the low lane. Uh, the top eight are all single file, and he's still third at this point. Um, by lap 35, it's the top 15 in that single lane. Uh, and and, John, and uh, Josh says that the low lane is just a trap. You know, he's just basically saying, you know, don't even think about trying to do something right now. It's not worth it. I can tell you in uh, all three races this weekend, um, and you'll see this a little bit later on, that the low lane does eventually come in. There's a couple of guys, like you mentioned, the five really early on in this race, the five kept trying to make it work, kept trying to make it work. The four throughout the race kept trying to make it work. And again, across the Xfinity, or the truck series race, the Xfinity series race, I don't know if once the track got more rubber in uh, or the handling changed on cars, the low lane eventually does come in and makes makes racing a little bit exciting. But early on in all three races, um, you were just going to drop anchor if you dropped down there, especially if you only had one car maybe to help you or if no cars, you were you were done for. Yeah. Um, so by lap 50 here, we're getting near the end of the stage. Um, they're running one, two, three with the six cars, fourth, the 11 cars, fifth. And um the first 20 or single file, but we know that at this point they're going to race for stage points soon. So John, uh, Josh is trying to figure out where the runs are going to come from, kind of give him an idea who's trying to run the other lane. Um, and we get to the end of the stage or lap 60. Um, and he, and in that lap, he passes the two for a second and then he kind of, and then the two ends up back in front of him. And then I don't know who ended up in between them, but, uh, the 22 wins the stage and Ryan ends up fourth. So really good stage points right off the bat. The three, the three of them running the, you know, controlling the field together is just totally awesome. So pretty good start to the race. Yeah. I think they're, the things are working out just like they wanted. And honestly, throughout the rest of this race, I mean, they get shuffled around, but they always seem to find each other and uh, just seemed like that typical Penske motto where they're going to until even at the end of that stage and the end of the next stage too, it's like, they're going to help each other. They're going to run together. And then at some point it's kind of a free for all, but um, it's cool. It's cool. When your team's up front, all three cars are strong and that's their goal. Every time is just to, to try to control everything they can control. Yeah. Um, now these pit stops are interesting because once again, we're going to worry about gas. Uh, if you're the guy that led 40 or 50 of those laps, you got to take more gas, than everybody else. Um, and so Jonathan tells them we're going to wait on, uh, not going to go on the Jack. We're going to wait on Jonathan to tell him when to leave. Uh, they come in fourth and they leave third. So if that's anything about people, you know, making sure they get their pass, um, and uh every what, four, four tires here too and i believe it was the 20 you know the, the spot they gain here i think is that the 22 mm-hmm. had to take the most fuel and they mm-hmm. lost a lot of spots on this and you know joey i think even keyed up the radio and asked you know kind of what happened there and you know his crew chief explained to him like you led that whole thing you needed more gas than anybody else more gas than anybody yeah and was this also when the eight just jumped eight. like six spots on yep. a four tire yeah. stop? So I don't yep. know if they, but I think we find out maybe a little bit later <laughs> on the RCR cars kind of pushed it a little bit on fuel mileage. So it's exactly that, that kind of explained things a little bit, but that was kind of shocking to see uh, him jump six positions in that one stop. Yep. That's exactly what happens. Uh, the eight took the lead there. They restart lap 67. Uh, Ryan's P3 for the cone. Uh, the eight talk takes the top. Ryan took the top. And the two is behind Ryan. So this is a pretty good scenario to start. Um, the 22 car gets behind Ryan and the, and the six also. Um, 
by lap 70, Ryan actually took, takes the lead with the eight pushing. Um, so there's a lap or two there of, uh, there's a cool we, move too. He yeah, did a, yeah. a sweep down to the bottom, bottom of the track and up and around the eight car. Um, I was talking about, you know, the Blaney fans being out in full force and, you know, the grandstand, you know, it wasn't a Dale Jr. esque roar or anything, but it was a pretty, you know, a lot of people on their feet as Ryan took the lead. It was kind of exciting to see. Yeah. The, uh, uh, lap 73, six is helping push Ryan in the high lane. Uh, the low lane is led by the, uh, the eight and uh, they're pretty organized. Uh, the 22 is pushing the eight. So, um, another lap or two later, the eight does take the lead in that high lane. The 22, uh, leads the low now. So the eight took, got pushed ahead and then he decided to take the, you know, get in front of the high lane and, uh, lap 76, the, the 22 takes the lead. Ryan's in third at this point. Um, and like I said, they went to commercial here and this is where the commercial kicks in. So if you want to go back to your DVR about lap 76, you know, they go to commercial break and then that's where the, uh, national commercial for, uh, the body armor sport water is, is there. So that's cool. Um, yeah, it really is. Uh, uh lap 90, um, we've got the 22, the eight, the 12, the six and 17 are your top five and the top 20 are single file at this point. And, uh, lap 100, I wrote a note that it's pretty quiet because they're all single file, you know, uh, the really the only information Josh gives at that point is like what's happening. One or two car lengths ahead of Ryan and one or two behind. So how much room does he have to push and how much, you know, of a push is he going to get basically is what he, what he needs to know at that point. Um, at lap 110, they start talking the pit strategies. Um, then they say the eight may have to pit early because they're going to be lower on fuel and everybody. So kind of be prepared for them ducking down. Um, at lap 118, there's some lap traffic and uh, that they run into. It's actually like five cars, 23, the 41, 78, uh, the 15 to 51 are all trying to run together. This was not clean. <laughs> I know it was funny. The radio broadcast was like getting everybody prepared for this pack to catch that pack. And they're like, hopefully they all stay in line. And it's just like, the I don't know. I don't know how they just can't get it all together. But Bubba like went high. I think Every, other people went low. They just like split apart and then ended yeah. up blocking kind of both lanes for a little bit there. And I was like, oh, man, they just did not. They did not have a plan and maybe they don't, they don't care, but yeah, yeah. it just did not, but, this was not once, clean, but luckily nothing bad happens. Once again, unlike Talladega or Daytona, there's not as much room to make a move either. You know, most of the time that when they, when they ran up on these packs yesterday or even just one individual car, um, jo- Josh usually tells him, uh, that they're staying low, <coughs> excuse me. And, uh, you know, he, he lets them know that ahead of time so that once he gets there, the move is I'm going to go high right away. So this guy knows I'm going high, you know, and, and usually that, that works, but when it's a pack like that, like you said, who knows? Um, at lap one nineteen, Jonathan says something about the think the eight should pit any, anytime soon. Now, uh, lap one twenty three, uh, the eight and the 19 are pitting Ryan's up to second. And then, uh, lap one thirty, the six pits and, um, Jonathan tells them we're going to be pitting with our teammates. So just keep an eye on the 22 and go when he goes uh, two tires, fuel right sides is going to be the call. And uh, they do come in now. You know, I forgot to write this to my notes and I didn't know if I wanted to say it or not, but during the pre-race, they do a lap down pit, pit rain, uh, pit lane, uh, single file. And most of the time, Jonathan get on there and say, that's good. That's not, that not good. That looked good and whatnot. And they did, they did do that. And, and Jonathan said there was one or two sections that looked a little close, but that's all he said. He said, it's still good if you want to do it that way. 
And Ryan says, yeah, I'll probably back it down a little bit. He says, I'll just make sure. And that's usually his thing, too. He says that in a post-race interview. When you catch the post-race interview, he says that I generally am on the conservative side of my lights. What he'll explain during the race here at one point is that they were bouncing a little bit as they come through um, just the choppiness of the track or whatever. And I think I think he just kind of like may have hit the accelerator a little more than he wanted to. Or, or you know, during a bounce or something, and he did did speed during uh, uh, I don't know. They said section two, S- section two. Um, now I don't know if you got to see it today, um, but there, and I think some of this is based off of the post race comments. But an article by Kelly Crandall, uh, I think it was on racer dot com, and Kelly actually was at the tweet up ahead of the race with Bob Pockris, so that was really cool. First time we got to meet Kelly. Um, but she did a whole article about Ryan in the speeding penalty and how Ryan actually went kind of in depth saying that, you know, he's been looking at the data, the SMT data and all this stuff. And that, you know, as you just said, he's one of the most conservative people when it comes to pit road. And he's, you know, has been thinking about trying to get a little bit more aggressive where, you know, Kyle Bush is probably the most aggressive on pit road does get a lot of penalties, but he also, does come out ahead of cars more often than not because of the way between the really good pit crew and then also just his on and off pit road time too. So Mm -hmm. Ryan said he was going to try to start pushing it a little bit more. And it's, it's unfortunate. I don't know if this is the first race where he decided he was going to start pushing it or not, but I mean, I hope it doesn't necessarily dissuade him from doing it altogether because there is there are the, you know, the great drivers do find ways to make up time on pit road on their end. Uh, but man, uh, of all the races, you know, where, you know, people were talking about pit road speed being such a big deal with the entrance being moved back to turn three, and then it just bites them. And mm-hmm. um, I can tell you, I think I, whether you got, got the text or not because of the cell signal that I had, but I basically was a little bit distraught and said, you know, uh, race is over at this point because he was at one point during that sequence, like three laps down. And I'm like, right. if a caution comes out now, like, Mm-hmm. man tra- you're trapped. trapped yeah yeah you have to have that whole sequence go cycle through and and it luckily it does um they, lap 136 they serve the penalty uh, by lap 140 like, like you said three laps down um but by lap 143 he is uh the cycle completes the 22 is leading and uh, the two is second and um the in-car camera thing is really cool on this pit stop originally even before we get the penalty um he comes right out right behind the 22 and the cycle completes and the 22 takes the lead. So if he had not had the penalty, uh, he would have been second and racing for the, the stage win basically. Um, so he is, uh, at this point it cycles around and, and the NASCAR app is really sometimes a little bit jacked up about people being two laps down versus one lap down. And luckily the commentators got on TV and said, he's one of the one lap down cars. Um, and just dangerously uh, close to being two laps down. <laughs> right. Yeah. As, Distance we get to the wise. The, as we get to the end of the stage, that's where it becomes important. Um, he is leading a pack of the, the 21 car and the three car behind him. They're trying to stay ahead of the 22 at uh, lap 147. Um, at lap 153, he passes the 15 for a position. So this puts him like, you know, near the, near the lucky dog, but not close or not, not totally yet. Um, and at lap 160, the two wins a stage and Ryan is in 32nd, uh, but he was the second car lap down the 78 ends up being the lucky dog. So now he'll be the only car lap down now after the end of the stage break. Um, people at the end of this race, will talk about who helped who and who did what, and we're going to, maybe we'll get into that, I guess, near the end. Um, 
but I will say this about Joey Logano and you don't hear We don't hear their radio communication because I'm not listening to them, but he was leading the race. Yep. He was coming up on that pack. He didn't do anything dicey to try to get by them. And they were fast enough to stay in front of him too. You know, Ryan is one of the cars that ran with them all day. Um, I think part of the reason the two car wins the stage is because the 22 was trying to hold it up just enough to make sure they didn't get them two laps down, trapped two laps down. So and I think the 22 actually helped them in this, in this situation. Yeah, I definitely think they were because uh, on any other super speedway, when you see this happen, you know, all the 22 had to do was duck low or duck high when they caught this pack and the rest of the people behind him would have followed suit and let everybody zoom by, but he mm-hmm. just ran up behind that pack and just kind of stuck with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they got, they were actually like one big pack for a little bit. And then I think yeah. something happened with the three, the three kind of got out of line and it, it kind of jacked things up a little bit in front, but it was enough to just kind of keep things going. And then luckily Ryan, like you said, finishes the stage here. Um, it, as a second car, one lap down. So the 78 will get the free pass going mm-hmm. forward. And then we just have to see how things shuffle out here. So at that point, I was, I was a little bit, you know, I was counting cars because, you know, there during this point, he was actually like the third car, one lap down. Uh, I think the 15 of where they need to get around. So that pack that Ryan was leading did get around that car. I was like, okay, so the second, I'm trying to find out where the 78 was. 78 was way, yeah, way was. ahead of Ryan. I was like, all right, well, that's not possible. I was like, but next restart, he's going to, I mean, even just on the pit stops, he's going to get around them no matter what, just because yeah. of their, their speed. Yeah. But so, yeah, so, um, so they're um they pit the second time around because they're they're lucky uh, they're, they're on the uh, lap down um uh, fuel loaded uh fuel full full fuel load four tires here um well, like i said only car lap down so if there's a caution right away he's automatically lucky dog um restart lap 168 10 cars leading at this point the, the 22 is second and ryan is i think you know the two i'm sorry the two cars in third so Ryan is 32nd, one lap down. 47 takes the lead a couple laps later. Uh, lap 178, the 11 takes the lead. Uh, just to tell you how much that lead changed uh, this last stage here. Uh, lap 185, uh, the four takes the lead. And then the 11 takes it back. <laughs> this whole time, Ryan's just hanging out. Yeah, and there was a couple of times where I was worried he was going to lose touch with the pack, but I think you know that was his strategy was like if there's a crash, I'm just going to let it happen because I don't need to be up in that mess. Because you'll other times you'll see guys that are in that position, but I think they are pretty comfortable in the the thought that you know where they were, you know, being a lap down that you know I'm going to be safe enough to to get the lucky dog if something does happen. So um, there weren't a lot of cars necessarily getting lapped or the same cars were pretty much getting lapped all day long. So it was just kind of interesting to see him hang out in the back, kind of ride around and wait for the strategy to come to him. Yeah. Um, so we get, um, uh, that's where are we at lap. Uh, oh, at lap 185, <laughs> the 15 and the 42 hit the wall, but there's no caution. But finally at lap 188, the four crashed from the lead. Um, at first everybody thought he got punted, but he really didn't get punted. Um, he, all he, air, all air, um, really, really just weird situation. Um, and a lot of cars involved Four, the eight, 24, the nine, the 17, 21, 78, one, nine, 38, 54, 23. Um, sometimes it's go high or go low, depending on how close to it. Ryan is like you said, he was far enough back where, 
just uh, stops. Uh, yeah, Josh. Josh <laughs> is like, whoa, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. And when he's saying slow down, just make sure nobody hits you from behind. Which luckily there was nobody behind. <laughs> it was yeah, just Ryan back there. He just stops on the back stretch. And uh, the end car was pretty cool. This because there was like a bunch of dust in the distance and then it started to settle. And then he just kind of like weaves yeah, his way through, through. All, all the crap and uh, he gets the lucky dog. So here, so here's the thing. I was excited for about a second, but then I remembered about a lap prior to this crash, the 14 coming out of turn four basically runs the wall up until the front stretch. And then a lap later comes down pit road mm-hmm. and, and then the crash he's as the 14 is on pit road, the crash happens. And I'm like, Oh no, are you kidding me? Is yeah. he going to be the lap down Lucky. score to front of Ryan? But what saves us here is that pit entry being in turn three and the 14 having to take all that time that he actually gets lapped again to where Ryan passes him on the track going mm-hmm. into when the crash happens. So I was I was like so happy and then I was devastated again for a second because I thought we just we just missed our chance and that the 14 was going to basically steal the lucky dog and be the you know the actual real lucky one here. Yeah. I kept waiting, I couldn't get my app to update and then finally the scoring pylon updated and it had Ryan a, a, a position ahead of the 14 and I was like all right, back on. Game on. on. Yeah. We, we know Ryan can get back to the front. Yeah, so Jonathan and Josh are discussing, um, you know, what they're allowed to do with the pit uh, pit thing here because they are um, they can only pit once as a lucky dog. They can't come in the top at all like other guys are going to do, which is kind of interesting. But on the other hand, you get in front of those guys because they, while you're out there doing your chews, they're out there, uh, they're getting more gas. So um, Ryan's up to 26 at this point. And uh, lap 195, uh, the pit road is open. Uh, 27 cars on the lead lap there. Um, lap 196, the 10 now leads, and, and Ryan is listed in 26th. <clears throat> Leader takes the top, Ryan takes the bottom. Re- least, <laughs> this restart is really cool. Lap 199, uh, by three laps later, he's up to 18th. And at lap 207, he's 17th. At lap 209, we get a caution. Uh, the 10 just loses it. And um, Josh has Ryan going low, get around it, collects the 99, 31, 45, also hit. Um, but everyone should be in their fuel window now, but Ryan's up to 11th. Yeah, so the 10, actually, they at the end of the race, they did an interview. He had a puncture in that tire. Initially, people thought that the tires, I think he actually had, in total, it was like a 70-plus lap run on those tires because they had stayed out. But only four, because of the cautions, only 46, I think, were run under green. So people thought it was a bad call by Drew Blickensdurfer um, and that the tire just wore out. But they said Goodyear said that, no, it was a puncture that caused that tire to basically explode down the front stretch. So um, this was a little bit scary moment because Ryan did get up, as you said, mid-pack, ducked low. Ryan will say this in his post-race interviews um, about, you know, people are asking how he got back to the front. And he said, you know, I made some really big moves that I wouldn't normally make. He said that even a few that um, he kind of even winced, wasn't really sure that he was going to make it through. And I can mm-hmm. confirm because mm-hmm. I held my breath multiple times as he kind of diced uh, up top lane, low lane. Um, there's a couple of times I think he went three wide high <laughs> to get around some people um, because this, I mean, the Penske cars, especially Joey and Ryan's cars were, they just had speed so strong and Ryan very early on in the race, you know, was reporting that, you know, he 
really liked his car. Um, and Joey at the end of this race says, you know, car was amazing. So, yeah. um, it was, it was very dicey and I was concerned he was going to get collected in that wreck, but luckily makes it through clean, uh, with the help of Josh, you know, navigating him around that accident. So live to see another day. Yeah. Um, so they're staying out lap two twelve here. Um, P 10 for the cone leader. Six takes the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom. Uh, the 54, the two are behind Ryan. Um, the eight is in front of him. And we restart lap 216. The the two, the 22, the two, and the 12, they get lined up in the low lane. And uh, lap 220, uh, it's the six, the 22, the 12 is all the way up to third. Back back to where it should be. Um, and this was lap- just, it wasn't this funny. This isn't it just like old times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kazowski yeah. up there. You got Joey up there. You got Ryan up there. there yeah. This must have been so weird, you know, when you're racing against someone that used to be your, you know, longtime teammate. But um, everybody knows everybody's moves, though. Yeah. Um. the 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 next three or four laps, the two car actually gets behind Ryan. So we get all four of those guys together. Um. At one point, another lap or two, Ryan tries to get the high lane and jump start it, and nothing happens. Uh, lap two twenty six to twenty two takes the lead, and Ryan's up to second. Uh, pushing him and the six is on the outside uh they do two lanes of racing here this is lap 230 and it goes from here to near the end like this um six takes the lead uh lap 233 the low lane has kind of dropped off he's all the way back to eighth and i wrote down here parentheses the two isn't much help and ryan will say this in his post race interview um that the two was having an issue i don't think it had anything to do with helping and not helping and yeah if if Austin wants to win the race. He's going to push. He will. I don't think he had the car to do it. And it's just something that may have happened with the car or something that may have happened with the handling. Um, but I don't feel that he had the car to do it. And it was, we watched these laps tick down. Um, the 48 is behind him. And at one point, the 48 tried to duck out around him. Yep. So that tells you how much more car the 48 had. Uh, he couldn't complete the move because there wasn't enough room to complete the move. Um, but later on, like I said, when we uh, when people go back and watch the video of the, what the 43 does, um, you know, at the end there, you got to be kind of a bull in the china shop, I guess. But, um, yeah, he was hard to get around uh, because it wasn't wide enough to get around him. But on the other hand, he just didn't have enough car to come up and push. And, yeah, um, I think you're right. I think it might have been a kind of a handling issue. I did question. I don't know what their their strategy was on tires. So there was a point in this middle of this race where they were all apart. You know, the 22 is up front. Ryan's in the back lap down and the two was kind of mid pack. So I don't know if the two used any tire strategy. Maybe it was on older tires to get some track position back up there again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seemed like the handling was gone from his car. There was actually a point uh, and it may be when you're talking about uh, Bowman trying to get around him that the PRN call on the, on the radio actually thought the two had a, like a mechanical problem. They're like, Oh no, there's something wrong with the two because there's a huge, and he, there's this big gap between him and Ryan. And yeah. like you said, other people are trying to dice around them. And around him. I was concerned that that was going to cause a, a caution or something, but yeah, it just seemed like it was, it was really frustrating um, just because you could see the gap and I'm like, man, yeah. Ryan just has no help. Like it just yeah. like the two would try to get up to him. That's what I'm wondering if it's like the dirty air, the two would try to get up to him and just get loose. And he's afraid maybe he's afraid yeah. of, losing it yeah i don't know it, it, it like i said if he wanted to win the race he would have got up there and pushed him if he could push him i just don't think he could push him that's what it comes down to uh i don't think the car was there to do it um so the low lane kind of drops off because of that but ryan tries to help the 22 as much as he can um lap 238 the six comes down to lead the low lane um lap 240 ryan's in fourth though during all this you know 
Um, lap 244, the six kind of played in both lanes. Ryan's up to third because of that. Um, you know who's coming right now? This is a seven car. The seven, seven car, car is yeah, dicing can... his way up through the field here, and you're like, he, oh, man. Picks, this... Yeah, is this going to be his day? He picks his way through the middle a couple times. Um, lap 248, the 22 gets even with the six. Ryan's behind uh, the 22. Um, lap 252, everything's kind of two by two. Um, lap 257, um, like I said, the two's not not getting to, to Ryan to help him push. So Ryan's all the way back to like seventh at this point. And this is where the the 22 makes his move. It slides up high. He gets that great uh, hit from the 20 to push him ahead of the six. Uh, the six just couldn't bump, uh, couldn't get in front of him. Uh, couldn't stop the momentum. You know, that's one of those things where, yeah, he could have tried to block him and they could have both ended up on the wall. Um, so, uh, you know, and Ryan ends up seventh or Joe ends up winning here, but, um, overall with what happened on the day, uh, pretty good recovery. Um, you know, interesting. I didn't really write in the notes there where it was, we're talking about the recovery. Um, there wasn't a lot of like, um, anger on the, on the radios by anybody. Um, when things happen, they happened. Yeah. Okay. And, and then what's the game plan? How do we get back to it? Okay. We're only lapped down. Okay. What do we got to do? Uh, who do we got to stay ahead of? Who we got to get to next? And, you know, and Ryan, you know, talking to Josh when they're lapped down, even about like, uh, something's about to happen up there. And Josh was like, Oh yeah. And sure enough, two laps later, there was a caution. So, um, they, they thought it'd be from some of the three wide racing, not just a, the leader crashing, but, um, they're doing a really good job of this year so far of, okay, if we're not having the greatest of days, let's make something out of it. And then the thing, the great thing about it is what they make out of it is pretty good finish. Um, you can't complain about a top 10 when you were three laps down at one point during the middle of a green flag cycle, when you had an issue that, you know, was, was a driver error. I mean, that happened and he apologized for that right away. And once again, follow, you know, follow his lead on how he, you know, his post-race interviews are great. Give you a lot of insight into what he was thinking and, uh, you know, how they worked their way through it. And, uh, I was pretty impressed with the, the composure that everybody had and, 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 um, making the best of the business trip, you know, getting the most out of what they could. But do we think they're going to win every week? Pretty much. You know, we feel like that every week. <laughs> That's the fun part about following uh, Ryan is we think that if they, everything clicks this week coming up, you know, he, he got a poll last year there. So maybe they can do that again. Maybe he can finish in the top 10 again there, you know? Um, so, you know, pretty good overall weekend and the weather was cold there, I guess for you guys, but, uh, it probably felt warmer uh, after that finish. <laughs> yeah, definitely extremely cold. And I want to go back to what you're talking about, the tone on the radio. The tone is definitely a lot different when it's the driver that has made a mistake, like a speeding penalty. Um, you could, There's a lot more, you know, you could usually go two ways. It can be the driver beat just being contrite about it and then moving on or letting it like take over like his emotions, like, oh, you know, this is it. But like my, my reaction, oh, the race is over, <laughs> you know, we're screwed at this point. Um, now when it's like a pit crew mistake or something, you, you'll hear frustration out of the driver. Either way, Jonathan and Josh kind of have to keep Ryan in the right mindset. And, um, and I think Ryan even says again in post race that, you know, he was making those dicey moves and bold moves, uh, partly because he was upset at himself and he yeah. felt like he needed to, you know, prove himself or, you know, get the best finish that he possibly could. Um, so obviously that, that does happen. Um, I will say, you know, I wasn't, uh, Super. I mean, it's great. A Penske car one. That's always good uh, team wise. Um, wasn't necessarily excited to see Logano win an, win a race, but um, it is what it is. I will tell you, if you go back and watch that restart, 
I mean, he's a two-time champion for a reason. Um, the moves that Joey makes, you know, over this, these last two laps were pretty, I don't want, it's not magical or something. He, you could tell he knew what he was doing. He even, you know, there's a great video of him breaking down the, the, that final, those last two laps too, talking about how he purposely drugged back. So the 20 would give him a huge push and it worked perfectly. And he takes the lead and then holds off both lines for the finish. So it's like, you can see again, the reason why this guy's a championship driver, um, just the way that he can think in a split second there, make those moves and win races. And it's really good um, that he's Ryan's teammate because that's something that, you know, Ryan can learn from, you know, Ryan's still a young driver. And even though Joey's technically actually young because of just, you know, he started so young. Um, there's a lot that you can learn, a lot that you can study and um, anything that, that he can learn from a, a championship driver is, is going to be for the better. And like you said, um, this 12 teams at a point though, it's been, uh, more than a year now, I think at this point, since his last points victory, um, they could win every single week. It's just, man, they just need to, they just need everything to be perfect. And I don't even know what the speeding penalty necessarily set him back that much. Cause he was still at the front of the pack there. Just didn't necessarily get the momentum he needed from somebody else. Um, what did you think about, you know, your honest opinion of the racing there? I know a lot of people are upset with the middle of the race, uh, where they ran single file, I personally was okay with that just because you want like a calm period, even as a fan in the stands. Like, I don't know that I could stand the tension of, you know, two wide racing on that tight quarters for 400 straight miles. I probably, my heart would explode. So, I mean, it was really, I feel like it was really exciting at the beginning. It was really exciting at this, you know, the stage breaks. And then that almost that full third stage was exciting. And those last 40 laps, again, were kind of breathtaking with how it was. And it wasn't as exciting as maybe old Daytona Talladega, where lots of people could go back to front, you know, within a matter of laps. It was a slugfest between two lines, but you did have people like LaJoy. I think you want to talk about Eric Jones as well that could make moves up through the pack if you were you had the guts to do it. Yeah, Ryan's, Ryan's move after he got the lucky dog um, was 10 to 15 positions in two or three laps. You know, so the guys who had the cars to do it could actually do it. Like you said, he had a little bit of a bull in the china shop a little bit, but um, the video of Eric Jones, type in Eric Jones Atlanta last lap. And Completely come insane. And I know somebody posted it right away on Twitter and so forth. Um, he, he decides the middle is the way to go. And it's like a parting of the Red Sea. There's a couple times where he gets his nose in between some guys and they just move. And he just sucked. And usually it's a sucker hole. Usually it's the other direction. You get in the middle and you get suckered back. But the guys at the front were trying to lay back so much. You know, this is where it actually happens. The top four or five guys are doing this. That's a good point. They're trying to lay back. They're trying to lay back. They're trying to get the run. They're trying to get the push. They're trying to get, you know, so they're laying back. This guy is coming the other direction right at him. And, uh, you know, who knows what another lap or two that would have been like, you know, (laughs) Um, but he went from. I think he did about 10 spots in yep. the lap if I, if I counted correctly and uh, got himself a top 10 out of it. So yeah, uh, God bless him. And uh, yeah. that was pretty, pretty ballsy move. That was definitely a team that needed a good run because, you know, they had a lot of momentum last year. They had a lot of speed to begin the year last year, but obviously a lot of the, even the big teams have kind of all caught up. So the, the playing field might not be as level as it once was for a team like legacy motor club now. 
Um, so that's that's a shot in the arm that 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 43 team definitely needed. Um, so let's take a, take a look at the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings here and um, how the things have the tides have turned, how the tables have turned, how the things have changed since Ryan, you know, had the had a couple bad runs there out there on the West Coast. The penalties that happened um, to uh, Hendrick Motorsports have also also played into this. It's also worth noting that you know they plan to appeal this. I don't know when this appeal is going to be heard. Uh, but if any of that gets rolled back, it's going to shake up the point standings for sure. But as of right now, um, on Monday, the 20th <laughs> of March, Ryan sits in the fourth position in the NASCAR Cup Series point standings, 16 points back of the leader. And that leader is teammate Joey Logano. And second is Christopher Bell, just one point back. Ross Chastain, who was the points leader, um, I think going into this race, five points back. So again, Ryan, the rest of the top 10, Keselowski, um, talk about a turnaround for that RFK racing team uh, in just a one off season here. He's in the fifth position, 17 points back. Six is Kevin Harvick. Um, actually, Harvick was the points leader going into the weekend. Chastain was the points leader the week prior. Uh, seventh, Kyle Busch. Eighth, Martin Truex Jr. Ninth, Denny Hamlin. And 10th, Daniel Suarez of Trackhouse Racing is 48 points <laughs> behind the leader so the points position looks pretty decent right now for the 12 car i'm not sure if anyone has a run running standing of what happens if those hms cars come back in there though yeah i wouldn't worry about that they're not coming back in <laughs> so we'll see what's going on yeah no they're not coming back in not with <laughs> not with not with chad canals's interview ah uh, yeah that's true you know, I'm sorry. Uh, I understand what he's saying. What he's saying is they had to do what they had to do. But on the other hand, you just admitted that you did something. And um, the policy is zero tolerance on modification of the part. And they modified the part. So I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to lots of lots of things to see what happens here. You have this HMS appeal. Um, a colleague is part of that with the 31 car, which, man, we're talking about fines and points being devastating to a team that's definitely devastating that 31 team who is i think they might still be in the negatives here um yeah the 31 team is minus 25 points right now still so they still aren't on the plus side of that because of that penalty um you have denny hamlin who flip-flopped early in the week he was wasn't necessarily contrite but you know uh, said, you know, he wasn't going to appeal his penalty. Then it seems like he slept on it for another couple of days, maybe got a little bit mad, and is somehow going to appeal his penalty after admitting that he let go of the steering wheel and wrecked Ross Chastain, mm-hmm. um, but then comes back in a, a day or two later and says that that was just normal racing that you encounter every week. And I was like, I don't know that that many guys let go of their steering wheel and run a guy into the wall, but... Unless he's just going to say, well, I was just saying that, but mm-hmm. it's too late. It's already, it's already out. <laughs> I got an, I got an opinion and it's not the popular opinion. That's the funny part is that I hear a lot of people are like defending the guy, you know, and my opinion deals with the other 30 some guys out there with them. Okay. They were doing this and they were running eighth and ninth at the time they did it and ended up 23rd and 24th. Correct. Roughly. Yes. What about, they lost what about like 10 spots? What about the guys who had to go around them while all this is going on? You endangered 10, 15 guys coming up through you or around you. You may have wrecked one or two of their cars while you're doing this thing. Ruined their finishes, some of them. Yeah, forget who it was in an interview actually said, you know, they're talking about, oh, what happened last week? And they're like, oh, well, I couldn't get around, you know, what was happening with the 11 and the 1. So it it kind of hurt my finish. So So I don't want to hear about it anymore. 
about how, well, we, he did what he needed to do or defending it. It's a feud and, you know, NASCAR likes NASCAR likes the feud. Yes. But you, you did something that endangered and changed the race for other people around you. The two of you want to go back to 36th and 35th and do that. Fine. You know, like, like a gateway where he's trying to cut him off or whatever, you know, when he was, when he came out on the track and found him, you know, and just trying to cut him off. That's fine. You're out away from everybody else, but you're doing that in the middle of pack and you have it. You may take out other racers as you're doing it. I'm sorry. That's where it disturbs me is that you've changed the race for other people. You know, forget about the two of you. There are other people involved here and you made a conscious decision to make a move that may have changed the race for other people. That's it might be unpopular because a lot of people seem to want to defend him or, you know, think it's a really cool thing. But, um, same as, same as the other incident, the one from this weekend, um, yeah. I've, got the, I've got the unpopular opinion on that too. Yeah. So the, I think the incident you're talking about is, uh, the other Josh Williams, the Xfinity yeah. series driver, not who, our Josh Williams, Yeah, not, not spotter Josh Williams, uh, as he said, send the find to the right folks, uh, the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he uh, is involved in a crash early in the Xfinity Series race. His team comes down. Uh, they try to repair the car. Now, I will say that a lot of the teams up and down pit road were complaining that it was so cold, which I can confirm we were freezing. Uh, it's so cold that the bear bond wasn't sticking. They're trying to heat it up before they put it on the car. So a piece of bear bond comes off this car, lands on the track, um, immediately causes another caution after an already, you know, we've been for a very long caution early in that race. So I think the race director was just kind of fed up. There's a rule in the rule book that says at their discretion, they can park a car for elongating a, a caution period. They do that. The 92 parks it on the front stretch, sits there for a minute, gets out, waves goodbye, throws up a peace sign. Thankfully, it was a peace sign at least mm-hmm. and walks to the garage. Okay. What are your thoughts? <laughs> First off, uh, I found out that Reed Sorensen is the spotter. So he's got a former NASCAR driver as his spotter. Um. I heard uh, he was on uh, door bumper clear. So he's explaining some of this. Now, mind you, it's a day later. He's a little more reflective. He spent two hours, two in, the hours in the hauler. Yep. <laughs> okay. Which whatever that is, which I don't know if they're waiting for the media to leave or whatever, but, um, but um, NASCAR made the decision and all you had to do is drive it off the track. If you drive it off the track, um, they could have interviewed you right out of the car. Cause that was another thing because of what he did. They had to go to the infield care center. I called him a attendant somewhere online. <laughs> Cause what, I'm just going to park it here, you know, but what he did once again is he ruined things for other people. Okay. So you're black flagged. You have to come off the track, but by parking your car there, you've now caused three more la- caution laps Yep. because they have to get a wrecker out there and move your car because you want to put on a little show. And like you said, the race for the day, both races were caution filled. They were way through their top window uh, on TV. Yep. NASCAR decided, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's a little bit tricky and dicey because the Barabon didn't stick probably because it was cold. They, he's, he even said that he would, they were trying to heat it to get it to stick. Um, what they really could, they could have, they could have officiated a little bit differently and said, Hey, just bring this thing in and fix it again, whatever. Yeah. But it caused another caution by flying off to begin with. And then you make that caution even longer by parking your car where you parked it. And, you know, yeah. he make he makes it funny. You know, door bumper clear guys make it funny. And that's nice. But once again, he affected uh, everybody else's day by doing what he did um, when he didn't have to. 
you know, you make a mistake, that's a mistake and it ruins a race or it changes a race. It's a mistake. You can apologize for it. People can tell it was a mistake. Um, they can tell you're being sincere when you, you know, if you apologize or whatever, um, you just do something that's blatant that changes everybody's day ruins, ruins some people's day or, or makes things longer or harder for some reason, uh, just to show off, to get some applause, you know, like I said, not the popular opinion. Everybody was like, rah, rah, we love it. It was great. I'm sure in the stands there are people cheering like crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. People that were there loved it. Um, but I, I, you know, I served, I've started talking with, a well, one of the guys on TikTok who, who, who does some NASCAR stuff. And I asked him, I says, they have to get the wrecker out there. And somebody jump in it. And sure. They had to get another, they had to get a wrecker out there, you know, to pick it up and get it out of there. Um, when it was a perfectly healthy car that could have been driven back around the track one more time and into the pits. And he was being told at that time, <clears throat> you know, he says he was trying to talk to somebody in the radio and nobody was, nobody was talking back to him. Well, he, the NASCAR official may have been in Reed Sorensen's ear telling him to get him off the track, but he decided to unplug his radio and get out and they could do just, just chill out one more, go drive around the track one more time and pull off or drive it into your pit, start working on it and see if you can talk them out of the, out of the, out of the train. You can talk them out of the penalty of, uh, you know, parking it, you know, something, but, well, yeah. you weren't going to win it. You weren't going to win any argument by doing what you did. And you may have caused the fine to be even bigger than what it was going to be. Yeah. So we're going to have to see. I mean, when folks are listening to this, the penalty report may be out. Uh, last week it was delayed a day, but I think it was because of the West Coast. But normally it comes out on a Tuesday. Um, I feel like they might drop the hammer here. Um, yeah. We were talking about maybe some other fines that some of these lower level teams haven't been able to afford. Cause the thing here is, you know, they give them a $50,000 fine, a hundred thousand dollar fine. You have to pay that fine before you can show up at the track again. Um, we've yeah. had some teams in the past that almost closed down because they couldn't afford to pay the fine. He even, you know, kind of flippantly made the joke that what are they going to do? Find me. I can't afford it. Denny Hamlin, because he likes to insert himself into all the controversy, already immediately, you know, tweeted that he would pay his fine. I don't know whether that's a joke or not. We'll see. Uh, maybe he'll flip flop on that and say, actually, I was kidding uh, in a couple of days. So um, so we'll see what they do. I mean, NASCAR is just put in a bad spot here. I think the fans actually are, you know, having listening to listen to NASCAR radio most of the day today. Um, the fans are kind of divided. Some see him as a folk hero, thought it was funny. And other ones, you know, thought it was, you know like you basically had the same opinion that you had. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the funny part is 99 times out of a hundred, and you know, me uh, following it through the years, I like the underdog guys. I like to have, ha- let them have their day. I like to see something uh, at a super speedway. like him have a good day and finish top 10, top five, or maybe have a chance to win on some goofy thing. I'm usually for that. You know, um, but I don't think this little thing is, is a, is a cool thing, you know, like other people do. It just, it just delayed everybody's day another two or three laps, you know, we're out there another 10 more minutes. We got to get Ricker out there and haul his car off. And it just, because he wanted to be, I don't know what, I mean, what's that do? It really, really, you know, they're like, like you said, he gained a bunch more followers. They were like, somebody posted the thing about, they bought a bunch more merchandise, you know? And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad you liked it. You know, people did like it, but I don't know. He could have pulled off and then done the interview and said something snarky in the interview or something and probably not gotten fined, you know? Yep. You know, NASCAR let him get away with, you know, NASCAR probably get him away with, get let him get away with being snarky, you know, in an interview. But what he did is, is you put, you forced them. They're going to have to find you. 
Yeah. So we'll see what happens this week. But one thing we do that's going to happen this week, and that's the NASCAR Cup Series is headed out to Austin, Texas for Circuit of the Americas uh, road course race. Uh, what is this? The first road course race on the season for the Cup Series. The action is going to start on Friday, March 24th with another 50 minute practice session at 8 p.m. Eastern time for the NASCAR Cup Series. Now they're going to do this 50 minute practice session because this is going to be the first time that this new short track slash road course package appears on a road course. Um, this will be the only practice section of the weekend because on Saturday, they're going to hold just a qualifying session on its own, 1130 a.m. for the Cup Series. And then if you want to catch the race, uh, coverage starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time with NASCAR Race Day on FS1. And then you switch over to the big network Fox at 3 p.m. Eastern time as Race Day continues into the race, uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time for the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix at circuit of the americas ryan blaney's stats at coda itself only two races here in the cup series uh 2021 he started ninth finished 17th you have to remember that that is the race that they encountered a deluge of rain they tried to race in the rain for the longest period of time uh ryan got caught up in some incidents there chase elliott uh ended up getting the victory over his teammate um, Ryan finished 17th last season, though. Ryan went out there, a lot of speed to start the season last year, sat on the pole, finishes sixth in the race. Overall on road courses, Ryan has an average finish of 13.8, but it is worth noting that his last four finishes on road courses um, haven't been super stellar. The best of them is going back to the July 3rd race at Road America last year where he finished 11th, but since then, 26th at Indy, 24th at Watkins Glen, 26th at the Roval. And we can kind of talk about those a little bit. The fact that at Indy, they had an incredible strategy. We're running up front, got punted on the final restart. Uh, the Glen, I don't remember exactly in my memory bank as to what happened there with the 24th place finish, but I do know at the Roval, um, that was all strategy. And actually, maybe this will tip into a discussion about what's happening this weekend. So it was strategy in that they stayed out early to get stage points because Ryan was in a precarious position in the point standings and they needed all the points that they could get, guaranteed points that they could get to keep moving on through the playoffs. Um, something different is happening this weekend, aside from the aerodynamic package on the road course. This is going to be the first uh NASCAR Cup Series race in the last few years where there will be stages but there will be no stage break, no green and white checkered flag flying stage points will be awarded. Um, but the race will not stop. Um, what are you, I know this is something that you've been a big fan of. I don't think it's necessary. It might not necessarily change strategy as much as maybe they hope. Um, but I think it does give teams that option though. Well, um, totally changes strategy come playoff time. Okay. Because the roller race is always a cutoff race. And it's always one of those ones where some guys are just worried about points that day and maximizing their point day. Which the 22 um, and the 12 did that at the Robo last year. Last year. Um, but I think it's going to keep the racing, make it better. Because um, unless you're getting a full course caution somewhere along the line, um, these guys are going to spread out a little bit based on how good they are. And then you're going to see how good the adjustments are on their pit stops during uh, green flag pitting because it'll be a, there'll be a lot of green flag pitting if it goes this way. And um, I like like I've said before, I like to see these uh, long green flag type things because green flag pitting, I think it, the Ryan's really good at the adjustments. I think they're really good at. Um, 
and I think the car gets better and then he gets better. So just like we saw him win Atlanta a couple of years ago where he tracked down uh, Larson on a long run. Uh, same thing here. You know, this, this is, there'll be uh, you know, guys will make mistakes after five or 10 laps and how consistent are you and how good is your car working, you know, on both, both sets of turns. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Let's, let's not stop you know, award the points when you get to lap, whatever it is, award the points, go ahead, but let's keep going and race this race backward, get in a fuel window, then pit, get in a fuel window, then pit, try to win the race. Now, this practice session on Friday, I think, is going to be one, if you're able to watch it, 8 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. Um, so this new uh, package for the road courses in the short tracks have made the cars harder to drive. The drivers have described it as being a little bit more slippery, harder to handle. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens in this practice session, because this might tell you if in the race there might be some natural cautions that do happen because of guys getting off course. Now. That might come into play more at a track like Watkins Glen and Sonoma. There is a lot of runoff space at Circuit of the Americas. So it's really easy. I mean, there is that one, I think the gravel trap that maybe Bowman got shoved into at the end of the race last year uh, when Chastain went on to win or uh, Almondinger got shoved into one of the, maybe both of them. But for the most part, there's a lot of concrete uh, or asphalt runoff space at this track. So maybe there won't be full course yellows from it. Uh, but I definitely think going forward, it, it might come into play at some of these other road courses that we go to. Um, so I, I'm really interested to see what happens in this practice session. Um, I know you're not always necessarily excited about practice, but is, is this a practice that you might be interested in? Yeah. Road course practice is a little bit different to me um, because uh, there are some things that are different with the lefts and the rights. And um just to see, see them lay down a couple lap times. And like you said, the lap averages are really big here because, um, how many guys can run eight or 10 laps consecutive that are near the same time? You know, that's, that's really kind of, uh, where it's going to come down to, uh, as long as you get some longer green flag runs and no, no stopping for a stage break, you, you might get these longer runs. All of a sudden, you know, you run 20 consecutive laps and, and are pretty much within, a second of each other, each lap, you're going to gain on guys because there's going to be a guy or two that totally bobbles a lap and loses three seconds and totally bobbles another lap and loses two seconds. And all of a sudden you've passed him in three laps, you know? So, um, yeah, I can't wait to see how, you know, how the practice goes for guys like that. Um, and this package, I'm not really worried because of what they already did with this package at, at Phoenix. Um, they showed that they have no problem adjusting to it. The, the Penske cars didn't. And uh, we know Ryan won a pole here last year, which was to me was a shock. I, I really didn't think he was a pole, a road course road course pole kind of guy. Um, but boom, you know, he put a, put a lap out there and uh, you know did a great job with it. So uh, I, I'm expecting a good top five starting spot, um, and then hopefully, oh, you know, hopefully there's not a lot of restarts. And the reason I say that is because I hate what happens at the at the top of that hill. Um, going into turn one, that left-hander, because they'll get six, eight wide, some of these guys, thinking they're going to make a spot that doesn't exist, and then they just play bumper car from one, inside to outside, and guys get spun out and, and beat on, and they didn't deserve it. You know, they were yep. trying to run the right line or trying to run a tight line, and one guy and the next guy and the next guy, and then and one guy gets squeezed out, you know, and, um, you know, spotting there is kind of tough. Josh will tell you, uh, we had him on, I think we talked about this last year, we had him on, um, 
you know, they got him at the top of the hill. They've got like two other guys on the other parts of the course and, you know, come up that hill, he can see everything, but you can't protect uh, when you get five wide, all trying to squeeze into that left-hand turn. So um, it also changes the outcome of some of these races. I think actually, <laughs> was it last year that Zane Smith picked up a win at Coda because the leaders actually kind of got into it a little bit in that on a restart toward the end there. So, well, yeah, at the top of the hill there, top of the hill. Yeah. And then later on um, about three or four turns later, two guys decided they play bumper car and he went from third to first. Yeah. So yeah, restarts late in these races, you know, add to the drama. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's what, that's kind of what saved a couple of the races so far this year made them exciting is the late restart. But, um, I think Ryan's one of the better cars, and I think over a long run of a race, uh, he would rise to the top, and I, you know, and he would, you know, I don't think we need that drama. <laughs> you know, you mentioned the Ryan's poll last year being a shock. You want to remember another reason why it was a shock? Uh, we had a lot of practice last year. He spun out in this practice yeah. uh, ahead of this race last year and still went out there and sat on the pole. Uh, so, again, if you want to tune in this weekend, you can catch practice on Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. You can turn around on Saturday, 1130 a.m. Eastern time for qualifying for the NASCAR Cup Series on FS1. And then Sunday, if you just want to tune in for the race, you can skip the pre-race. If you feel like it, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix. At Circuit of the Americas. So let's jump back for a few minutes here and give a recap of the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. It's been really great to see again, everybody. The league is full. The league is active. Um, I'm going to go through my lineup here that actually for a majority of this race was looking pretty decent. Uh, But by the end of this thing, I uh, tanked and I didn't have the Wi-Fi or anything to bring Ryan Blaney out of my garage to get me some more points here that maybe would have shot me up the leaderboard a little bit further. But I started William Byron, got me 11 points. Uh, Byron was looking to three-peat here uh, or three wins in a row here in the Cup Series, but unfortunately gets caught up in one of those accidents in this race. Same thing. Chris Buescher, he was running really well along with his RFK teammate. Uh, Brad Keselowski, I started him. He gets caught caught up in one of those incidents. Um, my two bright spots here, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, they are both a factor here in this finish. They both probably had a shot to win the race. Uh, each of them got me 39 points. And then my kind of wild card here, um, who has a tendency of sneaking up and finishing well at these races is Justin Haley. Um, who's really, really good on drafting tracks in the Xfinity series. And some of his best finishes in the cup series have come on Daytona Talladega type drafting tracks only got me 15 points. So it's kind of a dud of a race for the 31 car. Um, again, Ryan was my garage. I picked Byron over Larson and that was wrong by one position. Uh, Byron finished 32nd. Larson finished 31st. I picked Harvick over Reddick. Uh, that maybe was looking good earlier, but that was wrong. I picked Keselowski over Bubba. That's my only one that I got right this weekend. And I picked uh, Austin Dillon over Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And that did not work out. Dillon finished 20th. Stenhouse was 17th. So I got only, only got one of the featured matchups correct. And two of my drivers in the starting lineup got me less than 20 points. So you can imagine where I ended up in the, the points earned for this week at Atlanta. What did your uh, starting lineup look like? Well, I had, um, remember I said last week, I said, we should be allowed to have four garage guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had Bubba Wallace and I had him in the garage to start. I'm like, okay. And, but as the race goes, he might be a guy pop in because he's really good at this stuff. Yep. I had Logano, I had Ryan and I had Brad and that should be enough, right? 
I had Larson and I had Harvick, hmm. <laughs> which, which would have been okay, which normally would be okay, but they finished 33rd and 31st and 33rd. So, um, I did have Larson over Byron. So I got that right. I had Harvick to finish over Reddick and oops, uh, I did have Brad over Bubba and I had Stenhouse over Dalton, uh, D- Dylan, I'm sorry. So I got some of the map feature matchups right but i you know larson and harvick were worth 10 points total yeah and that's just not good enough yeah so let's take a look at the overall or the the standings for points earned at atlanta uh, i ended up in a three-way tie for the 73rd position with 124 points earned uh you ended up in not too terribly the 24th position uh 181 points earned so you're looking a lot better than me uh, but let's move on to the top 10 in points earned in the 10th position. Factory of Sadness 6, 204 points. Uh, really tight here in 9th. Moose 16, 16, 205. 8th, Frygout 12, 207. 7th, Blaniac 10, 209. 6th, Flying Ryan 12, 212. 4th, and a tie here with Epic Chickens 1916 and Angie 12 with 216 points. Third, Penske Fan 24 with 236 points. Second, Vincent 12, 242. And man, I'd really like to see the lineup from Racers F, uh, 246 points. Probably had to have Logano there. Probably had all the featured matchups. Uh, probably game the system somehow. But Racers F is the winner in the overall points uh, earned for the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Now let's jump over to the overall point standings where I'm happy to report that Mez 12 has fallen out of the top 10, just barely oh, though, in the barely. 11th position with 948 points. Um, I don't know if I can even scroll down. Oh, here I am. I am in the 34th position all by myself, 866 points. So um, you're pulling away and that's unfortunate. Uh, in the 10th oh, position. You got you got passed again too. Uh, that's okay. And then <laughs> in the 10th position Eric D15 953. 9th Blaring Idiots 962. Uh, in the 8th position Penske Fan 24 966. In 7th Hilton's Heroes 967. 6th uh, position Fragal 12 970. In the 5th position Bulldog 0277 uh 972 and fourth christian dana 989 and third epic chickens 1916 1000 points second factory of sadness six with 1012 and leading the overall standings in the team planning ask our fantasy live league after atlanta is the nutty gamer 1070 points now as we've mentioned the nascar cup series is headed to the circuit of the americas a road course um I don't know if you're going to keep sticking with uh, having Blaney in your lineup here. I think I might have him in the garage as I normally do and might move him up as needed. Um, But there's a lot of other people that you might want to take a look at. Ross Chastain is a defending winner of this race. His teammate, Daniel Suarez, I believe, won the first stage, uh, got caught up in some stuff uh, due to some strategy after that. Um, But he won at Sonoma last year. Uh, So the track house cars might be somebody you want to look at. Um, Chase Elliott's not in the field, so maybe the nine car is not somebody you're going to start. But you do have the five who's been really who's been really good at road courses in the past. Um Bowman was also in 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 that finish with Almondinger uh, at mm-hmm. the end of that race last year. I uh, just said a name right out there that I think I said last week. AJ Almondinger um, really really needs something good to happen this season. His first full time season back in the Cup Series in a few years. Uh, he did win at Indy a couple of years ago. 
Um, this might be a redemption race for him because he had a, as good a shot as any of those three guys at the finish of that last one at Coda. So um, those are some of those folks that I'm looking to put up in my lineup. Is there anybody that I missed or anybody that might be a dark horse for you? Yeah. Tyler Reddick and Kyle Busch. Absolutely. Um, you know, both of them. Uh, Reddick, what? Reddick had two wins on road courses last year, right? Yeah. He, he won uh, road, uh, road America. I was there for that. And uh, I was right. You know, Richard Childress was like 10 feet from or 15 feet from me. Indy too, right? Weren't you there too? Yeah. Yeah. So he won both. Yeah. Dang it. So yeah, there's a guy right there. Um, Weather looks good. Um, They're like 80, uh, 83, 84 degrees Saturday, Sunday. Um, It's nice and hot and sunny there. Hopefully that'll kind of grease the track a little bit. I think they're going to be happy about that because I think it was like a high of 45 on Sunday this past week in Atlanta. So they're going to double, double it up here into, into the eighties. Yeah. So, um, you know, slippery and, uh, you know, it, it, greasy is a good thing because it kind of gets guys out of their comfort zone a little bit and uh, makes them a little more less likely to bang on each other maybe too, hopefully. So, um, yeah, I, you know, those are the guys, you named a bunch of the guys basically, you know, AJ being the big road course guy who is racing the full season cup and this is one of the, one of his chances, basically, you know, he's going to get a couple chances between here and the playoffs to win one. And this is one of them. So, um, hopefully we don't see, I mean, a lot of people like the drama of the last minute banging to each other. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to see, you know, well, I'd like to see the 12 car win, of course, Oh, but, sure. Uh, Ryan, Ryan get out there and get in front of a couple guys and just be out and run really good laps and, and, and hold them off by being, uh, more consistent, you know, now, a smoother, smoother driver. Some more folks to mention here that, that we des- didn't necessarily mention during our quick preview of this race this weekend. The fact that Jimmy Johnson's going to be in the field with Legacy Motor Club. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, the Iceman, is going to be in the field again with Project 91. Um, I believe Connor Daly is going to be the, in the field again with the money team. Jensen Button's going to be in the field again. I don't remember for who. Um, Reichen, or Jensen Button's a former Formula One world champion. Kimi Raikkonen's a, another one that's a former Formula One star that's that's been retired for a couple of years now. Um, Jordan Taylor is going to be the fill-in driver for the nine car for Chase Elliott and Hendrick Motorsports. Jordan Taylor, incredibly decorated uh, driver in the sports car world. And um, I think he might have the best shot outside of Raikkonen who did start a race last year at uh, Watkins Glen at adapting to this new next-gen car. So lots of international star power uh, or, um, you know, it's almost like a resurgence of the road course ringer that, you know, for the last, you know, five or six years kind of went away. Uh, But I think this next-gen car has made it really attractive for some of these guys coming out of the sports car world and out of the IndyCar and Formula One world uh, to maybe kind of dip their toes into some NASCAR racing. Even though some of them are on the the latter half of their career, it's still really cool to kind of see some of these, you know, big names uh, coming back and uh, trying their hand at this sport. Yeah, I mean, it drives a lot more like a sports car, and, um, you know, that is enticing. Uh, but it is a heavier car and, uh, you know, that that's something that they're not necessarily used to. So, um, but once again, practice will shake out and we'll see how, how they look in practice and with all these extra en- en- entries, are they going to be at, at 40? Is anybody going to get bumped? I think they might, um, I think they might the be field? at 39, 39 right now, but I don't, I think it, there's a chance it will get to 40. Um, so I don't think anyone is going to get bumped. That was going to be my first concern. I thought, you know, you know, with Jimmy running uh, and some other folks that don't have charters, whether that will be a problem, but some of those guys that I mentioned will actually have, uh, be running under a charter. So 
I think Jensen Button Let's, might be in with uh, one of the Rick Ware cars. So okay, what's the Trackhouse ninety one entry? The ninety one does not have a charter. That's Kimi Raikkonen. So that's Raikkonen's car. Okay. Yep. Well, Steve, I think that pretty much wraps things up. I want to thank everyone once again for tuning in to this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney, on Instagram and TikTok at Team.Blaney. A couple fun videos from over the weekend. I might throw up another sights and sounds video on TikTok, kind of like I did at Daytona. I got some footage from Atlanta Motor Speedway, so take a look for that and then also some of the other fun stuff that steve's put puts together throughout the week for sure and finally we'd like to encourage you to support the ryan blaney family foundation established in 2018 this organization supports causes like the alzheimer's association and upmc sports medicine through fundraisers events and membership in the blaney bunch fan club to learn more visit ryan blaney family foundation.org or follow them on facebook twitter and instagram um just in last week's episode we uh, brought leah uh, Reeves, uh, the daughter of Dale Blaney, and also I think the director of uh, marketing and uh, events for uh, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation on. She talked about a lot of the good things that they've been involved with since the last time we talked to them. She also went in depth on the upcoming Driving for Good Top Golf event that's coming in May uh, to the Top Golf Charlotte University, right leading into the Coca Cola 600 weekend. Um, so, They've shared that video a couple of times. It's up on YouTube. It's up on our Facebook. So go ahead and check that out and see about all the new things that are happening with the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. So for my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Check out TikTok. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.